Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before John and I get started, I want to remind you that we're brought to you by rockauto.com today. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, back to work here with Hollinger and Duncan. Amir, what is it now? 10 days until the restart is supposed to begin? Yeah, we're 10 days until an actual game that counts. We're going to get some exhibition games this week, so... Hopefully enough of them will be televised that we can uh, we can start hooking up some basketball into our veins here. Very exciting time. Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about, in a moment here, the Delete 8. We'll talk about each of them uh, for eight minutes. But just in general, we haven't talked in a while. This has really been a key stretch for the NBA and its restart. Anything sticking out to you about uh, how it's been going so far? To me, the the... The big success that nobody's talking about is just that there hasn't been a failure yet. I mean, yeah. this was the key week, right? This was when if people brought in cases with them, they could have expanded to other players in their teams. And it hasn't seemed like, knock on wood, that that's happened yet. And each day that it doesn't happen diminishes the possibility that it could happen. Yeah, we haven't had any releases from the NBA, I think, in, a, in about a week or so now. Uh, of saying, yes, we had this many tests, we've had this many positives. So that's a good sign. On the other hand, you know, you have had Zion Williamson leave, you have had Montrose Harrell leave uh, due to family emergencies. And it's sad that we have to speculate this way, that you can't just take that at face value. But the League and the Players Association have agreed that they're not going to be transparent uh, about COVID tests. And so, and they can't say, well, hey, we aren't going to talk about we'll just confirm that it's not COVID in some cases, because then you know when they don't say that, that it is. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, yes, everything that's public seems good. You know, there's a little suspicion with Harrell and Williamson leaving that maybe it's not, you know, that they could have had positive tests and they just didn't want to say. We just don't know that. I don't want to cast aspersions on them, but that's the situation that the NBA and the Players Association are putting us in right now. So, yes, subject to the caveat that we may not be getting the full picture, it does seem to be going extremely well. Yes, and then uh, haven't really had. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens in this next week or two as things ramp up. The injury concerns haven't come to bear yet. Yeah, that's a, a good point. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, Rajon Rondo, those are the only two, but we haven't heard reports of these muscle injuries. Again, though, yeah. we don't even know who's practicing and who isn't on a daily basis. You also have. You know, there's a report that the Nuggets only have between eight and 10 players. And uh, the best intel that we're getting is just from players kind of slipping up and saying that how many yeah, totally. which guys are there and aren't yeah. like everyone else has uh, had yeah. message discipline. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, you wonder, you know, the Clippers still have some guys who just aren't there yet as well, who in theory are recovering. But I will say it's, if we don't get any more as of right now, like I think we'll have enough to where this is worth doing and it's worth following and people are going to care about it. and It'll seem legitimate. Absolutely. So not deemed legitimate enough to make the trek to Orlando are the delete eight. You coined the term quite uh, impressively. I should say it really seems to have gotten a lot of it's stuck. Traction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, deservedly. So I, sh- Thank I you. should say, so we're going to put eight minutes on the clock for each of these teams. And let's talk about them. So where do you want to start? Uh, let's start right here in Atlanta. I think it's going to be a really interesting off season for these guys. First of all, I think they're bummed out that they never got to see Clint Capella play with these guys. I, I think they really wanted to see what that looked like before they entered some of their decisions this off season. But one of the things about a, a bad team with a couple of good players is that if you just replace the awful players with average ones, you can get a lot better pretty quickly. So you're going from the worst center rotation in the league to a pretty decent starting center in Clint Capella. And they could conceivably do a similar thing at the two or three this off season, in which case they could be poised to make a big step up in the East. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, uh, the two questions that I have is number one, who is that upgrade? And number two, do they feel like they would be short-circuiting their young players and they're going to have another high draft pick this year, of course, by bringing in a vet and trying to get better? What are the priorities going to be for this team? Is it still going to be the slow build or is it going to be, no, we need to show big-time progress here now? I think that they have a mandate to get in the playoffs. And Where, where does uh, that come from? I, th- I, think, I think it's from ownership uh, just is like ready to not – get their butts kicked this year so i, I, I think that's been what has it been three years i guess of like essentially not trying yeah i, th- I think it's hard because it's also been uh the majority of the time that uh <laughs> um uh the the new owner has owned the team i'm blanking on his name tony russler yeah thank you and it's it's just it's hard in atlanta too man they, they have trouble getting traction even when they're good so I, I think there's a sense that that they have to take a step up and and be relevant just to have any kind of impact in this market at all. Well, and you can add to that too the reports of uh, from Chris Haynes back in in December of Lloyd Pierce's job not being in jeopardy, and uh, the Athletics Chris Kirshner also reporting it, it in part a piece you were a part of that there is definitely tension between Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce and. You know, when you're averaging 30 points and 10 assists, I'm not sure why it is that you wouldn't like the coach, but they aren't winning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think that Lloyd Pierce is the problem there, but Trey Young thinks that that might be the problem. So yeah, it does seem like there is some pressure. Now we've noted that pressure. Is that a good thing for them though? Is, is it good that they're going to try to take the next step or should they continue to do the slow burn here? I think there's a way for them to split the baby if they're smart about it. I mean, they, they have more cap room than any team. Right. And so the key is like if they if they go out and splurge on a on a four year deal for a 33 year old. No, that's horrible. Right. But if they get someone in their 20s who can kind of grow with the rest of this team, who is who is, you know, it's it's a little similar to Capella's situation. Right. Where Clint Capella is young enough 
that he could still be part of this team going forward as John Collins and Trey Young get into their prime uh, and and be a key piece of that. So bringing in another player or two to be part of that, because I just don't think with like Hunter and Herter and Reddish that you're counting on them to be high-level starters on a good team. I just don't think you can make that prediction right now. If they turn out to be that great, they should still get chances to play, but it's you you have to still bring in other pieces over this time period and and so i th- i think it's, i think there's a way to do that there's not it's going to be interesting though because it's not a great free agent year they're going to have to spend their money wisely and and really make sure they get they get value there um two more questions for you here who is the guy that you're really hoping you get in the draft if you're Atlanta it's interesting because there's a lot of pick and roll point guards there right uh, Anthony Edwards is probably the most talented player. You don't love him if you're talking about making a big push up in the standings this year. I think you're, no. he's, he's the guy well, you're you, looking for. You don't for. love anybody in this draft for that. Well, that, that, that's true too. The guy who, you know, helps you probably a fair amount right now is Onyeka Okongwu, but they already have two bigs who are going to be playing a lot of the minutes. I'm not sure if he, where he fits into that. Now you could say you'll have him and maybe you'll be, ready to move on from Capella at some point. I don't, I don't know. The, the other interesting part of this, you could draft, well, that gets hard too, actually. I'll, I'll correct myself. It, it's tough, man. I mean, Denny Avdia is a guy who has been high in some Mac dra- mock drafts who kind of fits here. I don't yeah. think he's like super talented, but if you're talking about somebody who can play three and four, can handle the ball a little bit, you know, the shot's a little questionable. There's some things there to not like, but as far as fit goes, he might be the the best fit here in the top of the draft yeah as just someone who can do a little bit more on the ball pass has some feel i i haven't had a chance to do a deep film breakdown on him by the way i'm sure we're gonna we'll do like our top tens for the draft uh, i'm sure when you know the week before or whatever yes. but you and i i'll tease that a little bit you and i disagree significantly on a kongwu i i did like a pretty big workup on him i was not that impressed and i wow. know you really, okay. you really like him a lot uh and okay Ethan strauss really likes him a lot too so um we'll uh we'll we'll have to tease that one for for later but yeah okay um what else do you want to talk about with these guys we got like two minutes left here john collins the extension do you pay him or not i mean you could trade him right now and probably get something pretty good for him if you didn't think he was the guy so i think there's a big decision to be made there yeah, there is. And, you know, he's doing the agitation of, I believe I'm a max player. And I, I do you know, not believe he's a max player, but I, I think he's not super far from being a max player. Like, I, I think, you know, a deal in the 20s might be appropriate. I don't think he's a max guy, though. Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, I, I view him somewhat similarly, perhaps. I mean, I don't see how, why he should get more money than like Sabonis did last year. Mm hmm. If you if you compare what he did to Sabonis, and now uh, I, I, Sabonis took a big step forward this year, uh, but but he kind of has that same issue of like being a hybrid four or five, and you know how well does he really work on a on a great team? I just don't know how you can pay him, and maybe you can just point to like the COVID uncertainty as a way to not piss off him and his representation too much. But I don't know how you can pay him without seeing him next to a real center and seeing him on a on a real team. Um, so yeah, I, I would be extremely judicious about that if I were the Hawks. And obviously you do have the option to just roll into this season and then let him test restricted free agency a year from now. Um, 
which could get interesting. I mean, he may be right that somebody may give him the max in restricted free agency in 21 just because there'll be a lot of teams with money and some of them are going to strike out on plan A. But the the Hawks might be wise to not be the team to take that plunge. It's, it's a really interesting face-off here. It, it gets really challenging uh, with the decision of who to pay when it's not a slam-dunk max contract guy. All right, that pleasant, pleasant noise that I wake up to every morning uh, indicates <laughs> that we are we have run out of uh, our uh, eight minutes. But uh, I, I can tell you what, my wake-ups are really pleasant in addition to that alarm because I sleep on a Helix Sleep mattress, uh, as do you now. Uh, have you noticed a difference since you got one? Yes, I have. I sleep very well, and my wife sleeps very well, and we don't wake each other up, which is wonderful. It's great, great, great for a marriage, too. Uh <laughs> uh be, because of uh the you know the the bed just uh it 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 doesn't uh it doesn't send shock waves across to the other person it's very stable it's it's really a great sleep yeah i noticed that same thing too when even like, like when my wife and i will stay in nice hotels together we notice that same thing like we wake each other up whereas at home never happens with helix sleep and not only that but you also have the two minute sleep quiz that you can take which will match you up with a personalized mattress selection for you it's not one size fits all i've tried one size fits all with a mattress delivery company it does not work at all at least for for me and so helix sleep whether you're a hot sleeper side sleeper uh, like a firm bed a more plush bed they've got something for you so you fill out that two minute sleep quiz um and you really get exactly what you want the way to get started with them is at helixsleep.com slash per easy to remember per because john invented it that'll let them know that you came from us and they'll match you up with that customized mattress to give you the best sleep of your life they have a 10-year warranty you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free and they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but you are going to love it because it's made for you right now they're offering up to 200 dollars off all mattress orders get up to 200 dollars off at helixsleep.com slash per don't forget that slash per to let them know that you came from us so I got to say, I found gift giving during this pandemic to be quite difficult. A lot of people's ch- patterns have changed, understandably so. One thing I've been focusing on a lot is just trying to learn more, to take a, a chance to indoctrinate myself in some new subjects. And if you know someone like that who's always trying to learn more, Masterclass would make an awesome gift, especially if that person is yourself. Well, that's good. That that elicited a slight chuckle from my wife in the next room. Still got it, baby. But speaking of my wife, she actually really enjoyed Masterclass uh, as well. And she's been getting back into writing, really enjoyed Margaret Atwood's class. There are actually a number of writing classes that they have uh, that are outstanding. They now have over 75 masters uh, on board, whether it's Steph Curry shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams, tennis, Chris Voss, the art of negotiation, all sorts of awesome chefs uh, as well. And it's really set up for you to go as deep into it as you want. You can watch a bunch of these classes in short, digestible 10 or 15 minute increments. But then if you want to get more into it as well, you can follow the full curriculum. They have exercises, downloadable materials as well, or you can just watch the lessons and learn a little bit more casually. Users generally give Masterclass an average rating of 4.7 out of 5, but in case you're not completely satisfied, Masterclass offers a 30-day money-back guarantee on their annual all-access pass, and that all-access pass is a mere $180 a year, and that's to get hundreds of video lessons from 75-plus of today's most brilliant minds anytime, anywhere, Android 
desktop, Apple TV, Fire TV, iOS, whatever it is. To get started with them, go to masterclass.com slash PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PER to get 15% off that all access pass and let them know that you came from us. All right. What disheveled hovel will be be visiting next in this analysis? (laughs) Should we keep it in the east, in the uh, southeast uh, here and talk about Charlotte? Yeah, and by the way, I'll, I'll mention that Danny and I, which would be a nice companion to this, uh, on Dunkdown, we've been doing young player analysis for, we've done every division now except the Southwest. Um, so if you're trying to get an idea of you know, how some of these young players have performed and are developing, we talked about basically every young player in the league, gave them a development rating if they went for, uh, if they played it all last year as well. So we dove deep into that. So I've been thinking a lot about charlotte here but wanted to see what sticks out for you about them as they move into an offseason what what sticks out to me is how little sticks out uh <laughs> yeah like you, you know how people say like at christmas you say like what do you what do you get for the man who has everything like charlotte's kind of the opposite they they don't really have much much at all here and it's it's really a, a conundrum of of where they go from here even their like their younger players they have some Decent younger players, but I don't think any of them are good enough to really be the foundational piece of whatever they're going to become. Uh, Devontae Graham's season, certainly the high watermark for this team. Uh, just out of, out of nowhere, unexpectedly becoming a pretty legit, like starting caliber, uh, point guard, deep shooting, good passer. There's some limitations once he gets inside the three point line and defensively, but he, he really uh, opened opened some eyes. Uh, PJ Washington, not bad, right? Good combo forward. Probably have a ten year career in the league. Cody Martin, second round pick, was actually pretty decent, although he's like forty six years old, so he's not your typical rookie. So that like, there's something there, but there's just not any not anything uh, to be the foundation. Well, this is something that I think, especially in small market teams, Charles is actually not that small of a market, but they operate as such and. I started to experience this a little bit really for the first, this is my first year this year covering a team that just w- was out of it and didn't have any chance to, in person seeing them every game in the Warriors. But it's very easy to fall in love with these guys who just because there's nobody else have to take a bunch of shots or uh, even totally. more so when they exceed expectations. I know that's something you've talked about before where you kind of fall in love with your guys. As you know, the guys that we found that are success stories, instead of saying, all right, when you really look at the hierarchy of the league, where are these guys fitting in? Where are they taking you? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that can be a really challenging thing for thing for a team. And I mean, Charlotte actually last year had a good year in some respects. Like I I think James Borrego did a pretty good job in terms of developing these guys and, and they got some positive contributions. Like, like Graham got a lot better. Uh, you know, Martin game contributions. Jalen McDaniels actually gave him some decent minutes after, at the end of the year, after he looked completely overmatched in summer league. Uh, so like there's some positive stories here, but there's just like, just in terms of overall talent though, it's just, not there. And then the Rozier contract obviously was, uh, that's looking pretty negative for them too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rozier, I thought he did maybe a little better than I expected him to based on his year last year. I mean, he shot pretty close to 40% from three, 18 points a game. He's not a distributor. I think he was better 
as an off ball guy next to Graham. Like he's not a primary pick and roll option, but you know, they overpaid for him, but I don't think, you know, he wasn't like the problem with this team necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tough for me to see where they go other than just continue to try and build up uh, their base in the draft, which you know, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be a common theme with a lot of these people. Go, that's, that's a fucking genius, genius <laughs> prescription. Uh, you know, you're not the first person to think of that one. Um, also, I think another concern to me is they really were maybe the luckiest team in the league this year. And so that if they had won the five fewer games that they should have based on their point differential, then we might feel differently about them. But that's where we should feel about them. Yeah. And you worry that that'll, if they revert back to that next year, that that might color some perceptions that might be unfair and, and result in some decisions that maybe shouldn't be made. So that, that's, that's going to be interesting to see as well. They, um, you know, their, their cap sheet's going to be pretty clean. I mean, the Batum contract is finally going to end. So they have some opportunities to do some things, but they, uh, right now they're not going to be able to pay anybody. Uh, other, other than overpaying for a second tier player. So I'm not sure it helps them that much except using it to take other contracts and get, and get picks, which is where their head should be at. Yeah. They've been in a tough situation with these vets too. Marvin Williams, I think that was the case this year where, okay, maybe you could get like, you know, a pick in the fifties for Cody Zeller at the trade deadline. Maybe that would bump up to being able to get a first rounder if you also take on someone's bad contract. I mean, that, that might be where this team can strike now, especially if it, due to either not having any money from the pandemic or due to a, the cap being lower than expected, looking like uh, probably going to be around 109 again, seems to be yeah. the operating assumption right now. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's going to be one of the strategies, but really other than Zeller, they don't have any veterans that I think would even be capable of playing a role on a, a good playoff style team. So. Uh, it'd be nice if they had someone a little bit better in terms of a veteran who could play a role on a good team to trade. Yeah, um, they, you know, yeah. they they had it with Kemba Walker, and then letting letting the the original sin here was letting Kemba Walker leave as a free agent rather than trading him uh, and yeah. and getting picks for him. So, you've got about two minutes left here. Rank to me their young players in terms of just who has the the most potential. So, potential, um. Or, or, or I'll put it another way. Who you would most want to have on a team in Charlotte's position that you view as potentially becoming a foundational piece? Maybe rank their assets. Might right. Be I mean, I'd say it. Graham's got to be number one because he's like legitimately pretty good right now. I would say yeah. PJ Washington's probably second. He's still quite young, had a pretty good year as a rookie, has to tighten some, some things up defensively, has to shoot a little more consistently, but there's something to work with there. Uh, I would put Miles Bridges third. I thought he had a disappointing season, and I think he has to really develop in some areas to be more than a than a highlight dunker. And uh, I, I think I thought it was a like a little bit of a troubling year for him, and he he needs to take a step forward next year. In his he can't third stop season. anybody. It's like he he was drafted to be this kind of combo forward, switchy, strong guy, and mm-hmm. defensively, like can't stay in front of anybody. It's just very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, number four, boy, I, 
I mean, I guess you still have to go Malik Monk. He he played pretty well right before the league shut down. I, I'm sorry, and and right before he got suspended, I should say. Uh, yeah, he was playing some of the best basketball of his career. It's I mean, it's going to be hard for him. He's undersized. He's not a point guard. He hasn't shot the ball as well as people hoped. I mean, when he came out, people really thought he could be an elite level shooter, and it just hasn't worked out that way yet. But if he makes more shots, there's probably something there offensively uh, that. You know, could he be maybe a high-level sixth man? I don't, like, I don't think he'll ever be a starter on a good team, but could could he be a, a scoring guy off the bench? Yeah, sure. Uh, so he'd probably be the next yeah. guy for me. Last question. Extension for Devontae Graham. They can offer him, starting next league year, uh, up to four years and a little over $50 million, uh is probably about where it'll be. You know, they could throw a player option in as well. Are you making that offer to him, and are you taking it if you're Devontae Graham? So if I'm Charlotte, I probably would like to lock him up um, if I can get a decent number. Because yeah, so is that a decent number for you, that maximum extension that they can give him? For, for, for 52? Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the... Um, that that's probably that's probably pretty fair. I, I I would probably go ahead and do that. Um, my I don't know. You could argue if you only think he's a third guard, then it's a little high, but it's not crazy high. I I always feel like when you're in a, in a position like uh, in a, in a small market, your priority has to be retaining rights to the players you have because you're not getting free agents. Yeah, and so that colors my thinking a little bit. Now, what you can do with him, remember, is you can play it out into the season. So you could go sure. partway into next season if you're if you're like, okay, I just want to make sure that, that what happened last year wasn't a fluke. You could go uh, a ways into the season like Memphis did with Dylan Brooks this year and then go ahead and do your deal. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. I mean, if you look at where he was, you know, he was probably a, a at least a top 25 point guard in the league, but there's he's older. Maybe he took such a step forward, you fear there might be some regression hard to imagine his ceiling getting much higher just due to his size limitations he's not going to be an asset on defense and you know also he's not a great great point guard this is also a draft that has a lot of point guards in it that could be part of it too if they draft another point guard Mm -hmm. then maybe you don't extend him um so you he's a good player i think if you get him for that money i would make that offer to him Uh, but you're also locking him in as your point guard of the future he's a good player but you're also putting a ceiling on the position where you're most likely to get a dynamic offensive player and he's a decent offensive player but not ridiculous um wow that was like 10 minutes on the hornets we couldn't contain ourselves wow and we we haven't even talked about Dwayne bacon yet or Um, joe chile where do you want to go next uh how about uh your chicago bulls so this is something that i wanted to bring up with you overall Mm -hmm. in the context of the fact that they haven't moved on from Jim Boylan yet. And we can get to that in a second, but I wanted to talk about a little bit of a background that I think could be affecting a lot of teams, in particular one as uh, profit-motivated, shall we say. Isn't <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I've been yeah, here, like, put. the the dis- number one, the discussion of, like, some of the losses and costs for the league and its teams is already getting ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the Bulls could lose hundreds of millions of dollars next year and it's like okay uh, or now or they could lose you know tens of millions of dollars is that straight up lose like negative cash flow of tens of millions of dollars or is it 
you'd had a positive cash flow of $80 million and now you're going to lose $10 million. So you're saying you lost $90 million. Like there's a big difference there as far as just maintaining a going concern business wise. And I think that's an important distinction. Same thing yeah. with the, the bubble where they're like, Oh yeah, it's costing them money to put these games on. No, it's not. Yeah. 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 It's, it's you, they're getting paid billions of dollars. So, from and the, 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 the other, the other half of that is, are they just talking about the revenue they're missing out on without talking about the decline in their expenses? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's also something I'm very interested to, to see too is, you know, you've got the Rockets suing their insurance company for their business interruption insurance coverage to see how that comes out. Mm-hmm. Who knows, like, whether these teams are still having to, like, pay rent or not. Obviously, a lot of the variable costs have gone down. Their teams are laying people off, et cetera. So, um, but anyway, so, so that's, that's just a, a quick aside there. But another aside is if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, I think part of the reason why they finally made the front office changes was it's finally starting to hit him in the pocketbook a little bit. The United Center finally is not full. Season tickets are not being renewed. They've been mm-hmm. bad now. This is the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. But now there probably aren't going to be any fans next year, for at least for a lot of the year. And you're getting your TV money regardless. Mm-hmm. So do you want to spend the money, even though it's only $2 million, less than $2 million reportedly for Jim Boylan's salary, do you want to spend the money to bring in a new coach, particularly a coach who might cost more than Jim Boylan, when it kind of doesn't matter how good you are next year because you're not getting any extra money regardless? Like you just – you all of the money is TV, TV money, and that's pretty much locked in league-wide? Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to play that way. You know, it's interesting because, too, because, I mean, the Bulls already have 13 contracts for next season. Like, they, they could just completely shut it down, <laughs> you know? like Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's, I mean, not only the Bulls, they come to mind because of the Boylan situation, but I think there's a lot of teams when, for this year, the relationship between spending money and making money by actually being better and selling more tickets and getting home playoff games and stuff like that, that relationship is going to be more divorced than we've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. And you've got everyone hurting for money already too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still, there's still a, a desire to, I think to, because we don't know what's going to happen next year, I guess, but we, we could have fans, especially by the end of the year. Like I, I, don't, I mean, you're the you're the COVID expert, so you tell me. But yeah, some I mean, of my, some of the stuff on vaccines and stuff makes me think maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, then there's the question of distributing it as well, and like, I mean, mm-hmm. my best guess is like you know maybe late summer, early fall is when we would be able to have events again, given the path that we're on. But obviously, there are many things that can change with that. But mm-hmm. so I and you know the players' association is under the impression that there aren't going to be any fans. I think you have to plan for that. Yes. If you're the league and its teams, and then if you get some fans later on, you could be happy about it. Yeah, I think um, that's, that's probably right. So, I mean, we've kind of been shirking our responsibility to talk about the Bulls specifically here, but um, is there any argument that Boylan should should be back? Not that I can really see, because you still have a young team. You still have, like, developing these players is is your best pathway toward becoming what whatever it is you're going to become that is that is – uh, desirable to get tickets to watch. So bringing in somebody who can do that at a high level or at a higher level than Boylan seems to have done. Uh, you know, when you look at Kobe White, when you look at they're going to have another high draft pick this year, we look at Lori Markinen who kind of went backwards this year. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if does Zach Levine still count in that, or is he? Do you consider him more of a veteran now? But yeah. you know, so that like that still matters. So I I don't know if you just because to me, if you keep boiling, you're you're almost admitting that you're punting next season. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the ridiculousness of of this whole thing of like, oh, he's being evaluated. Like, I mean, I would put the odds around one percent that Arturus Kronifis took this job thinking, oh, we've already got the perfect coach in place. <laughs> I have the odds one percent lower than you do. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you know, maybe the economic situation has changed that a little bit. I mean, I know management seems to really like Jim Boylan, uh, but. Yeah, that it would be a surprise. Now, maybe you you could say, all right, I want you to at least interview Jim Boyle. Let's interview some other people. We haven't even heard of them interviewing other people. And so maybe there is a thought that, you know, there's going to be, you would want to have the new coach in by the time you do any sort of off-season workouts like they're maybe talking about doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and also, um, you want to you wanna tackle this now while the clock is stopped and not while you're in the middle of draft and free agency and everything else. If you're, you know, Karnishevis coming into a new organization and trying to do all this stuff, I, I just the the timing couldn't be more perfect right now to tackle this. I think the the, uh, the last thing I can say here, uh, I, I noted how the profits between you know the whole incentive of being good next year doesn't really align with your profits. Well, research I know in baseball, I haven't looked at this as closely in basketball, but shows that. Things like season tickets are really a lagging indicator based on how well you did the previous year. Yes. And so they still would be costing themselves money by being bad next year because not as many people are going to sign up for tickets in 2021. That's a great point. Yes. But, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time a uh, <laughs> an organization failed to be uh, that forward thinking when it came to things like this. Um so I've been on this fitness kick lately. I'd kind of porked up a little bit during the early portion of quarantine. And when I started ramping up my activity a little bit, you're going to get some muscle soreness. But fortunately now I have Theragun to help me out with that. I was actually just talking to my wife yesterday about how we used to go to this practitioner of uh, ART, active release therapy. And I've actually found that the Theragun works better to release some of the adhesions that I have. You can use it on basically any part of your body and you can try it risk-free for 30 days. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can give it a shot. They've got now their Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen. They've got the personalized Theragun app and it's way quieter, this new Gen 4 that they just sent me. So you can even just watch TV while you're doing it, have a conversation. It starts at only $199. And the way to get started with them is at theragun.com slash PER. Easy to remember because John invented PER. Go there, theragun.com slash PER right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That is theragun.com slash PER. Our title sponsor today for the show is rockauto.com with their amazing selection and reliably low prices. They've got all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com just does it better than those parts chains where you go up to the front desk, the guy opens up the same computer interface that you could use at home, and he tells you, yeah, we'll order it for you. Come back and pick it up in four days. Why go through that? Especially when a lot of those places don't even offer you their best prices. They'll offer you a more expensive price than they offer to mechanics and professionals. That's not what Rock Auto does. They give you the same pricing no matter who you are. They always offer the lowest prices possible. They're not trying to 
change prices based on what the market will bear like say an airline would it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now so go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers go there right now and just put in your make and model see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure that you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com okay next team here you want to talk about your golden state warriors i already have the bulls how do i have two teams <laughs> i mean those okay. if you if da- da- danny the rose golden them, state but... warriors would, would you prefer that description <laughs> yeah so we don't know the financial situation obviously is the big question for them and so much of what they were doing was built on the idea of having fans paying a ton of money now they didn't get any playoff revenue for this year which i'm sure was a huge shock to them and then They've got deaf service on their privately financed arena. And yes, they have this ability to add with a high draft pick and that $17 million trade exception and the mid-level. And they could add over $30 million in salary to this team. But that would mean massive, massive luxury tax payments. And so what the appetite for that is, is a huge question right now. Yeah, because they're looking at huge payments just with what they have on the books right now. Like if they don't add anybody, they're looking at for uh, 2021 and 2122, you're looking at tax payments. Uh, I'm sorry, just the amount they're over the tax, you're looking at 20, 30 million. So yeah, the, the payment on that, and then if you add anyone else on top of that, that gets pretty scary pretty quick. I mean, if you, this is what happens when you have four max contracts though, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and well, th- three and then Draymond. Three Green and then Draymond. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't fall into the agent trap. It was tweeted out as a max extension. Do not propagate <laughs> this. It is not a max contract. It's simply the largest extension he could have signed at that time, but it is like $10 million less than the max. Um, yeah, it's, and it's further galling, you might think, for Warriors fans. I mean, also you've got the cap probably going to be $6 million less than expected. Mm-hmm. And you've also got other teams who might be feeling the squeeze as well to where there might be guys who might not normally be available that could be with that $17 million trade exception. But if they don't aren't, aren't going to have the commitment to spend it, which, you know, I don't blame them. I mean, they're, they're going to lose a lot of money probably. Um, Then you, there's really a missed opportunity, again, going into a season which – Steph Curry is going to be 33 next year. Yeah. They already wasted this year for him. Yeah. So this is, it's getting close to their, to their last, uh, licks here in terms of the Curry Thompson green era. And to let that, uh, cap exception pass, I think would probably, like they could still be good, but it's going to be hard to be a contender without utilizing that to get another plus, uh, player in there. Yeah, you, you, you. We saw it in the finals last year. Just like just counting on those three guys to carry the team, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it worked to get them to the NBA finals. Um, but that now those guys are going to be two years older as well. And yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for these guys. Let me ask you this as just a, a a way to finish up on them. How do you feel about some of their young guys actually being able to? contribute next year who do you see as someone who can contribute who do you see as someone who can't i actually was 
fairly uh, surprised by Marquise Chris as a as a five as a as a guy who could make some passes and and do some things and be provide some energy off the bench. I thought he was all right. Uh, so I think he might be able to as a backup. I think Damian Lee might be able to as a backup. Um, you know, Eric Poschel got all the uh, attention. I'm actually a little worried about how he fits in a, you know, as a role player on a on a good team. Uh, it was a lot of one-on-one, a lot of mid-range. Uh, I'm not sure he's a great outside shooter. We'll see. He, he shot the ball better in college than he did as a pro, but the motion just looks like a little jacked up. Yeah, um, th- this was interesting, actually. Anthony Slater wrote a piece about this, uh, of The Athletic, talking about how they tried to get him to shoot a set shot earlier in the year. He couldn't hit anything, and then he went back to shooting his jump shot when he actually improved a little bit. But in the long term, they want him to shoot that that set shot to mm-hmm. get a little more arc on the ball. Yeah, so I, I'd say the jury's kind of still out on him. Um, and then, like, the, the other guys are probably just filler. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not that excited about Jordan Poole. Uh, and yeah, you know, Smiley, Mulder, Toscano, like I, I have a hard time seeing them being like, you know, major contributors. I'm a Mulder guy. I like him a lot, actually. I think he's like more better defensively than your usual shooter type. And if he can keep up what he was doing in the G League and Miami system shooting it, I mean, he actually like, he actually contributed to them winning basketball games. I realize they're a shitty team. Yeah. But like they actually were, had their most competitive stretch of the season right before the shutdown. And it was a big part of it was just to have a guy who can actually make some shots uh, and defend his position a little bit at the two. So I like the type of player that he could be actually appeals to me. I think he he and Lee, I think, have a chance. Chris, I'm a little bit less sanguine on with you. And Pascal, I agree. I mean, he's got to maybe just be a bench scorer. And then maybe, you know, he and Green could play together at the four and the five. But that's the only way those guys can play together. You can't have one of those guys play the three. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Now, Paschal did, I mean, he played four exclusively in college. So having, having him move back up the ladder, that, that could be an option to get more out of him. Yeah. And I think as a finisher, I really like him a lot. So if, if they can utilize the floor being spread and also have him being guarded by someone who's not any good, you know, I think he might be able to do something. But again, I, I acknowledge that. It's one of those things where just seeing these guys play every day, you're like, oh, this guy looks semi-competent on this 14 <laughs> and 50 team. And it's just, you don't know how that's going to translate to a real team, especially with some of the small sample sizes for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really hard. I mean, we went through that a couple times in Memphis. Um, you know, the one, the one year where we signed literally everyone out of the G League and we're, you know, talking ourselves into Xavier Mumford and whatnot, just because he was better than the other guys we signed out of the G League. But I, I, you know. I thought Mumford had a chance, actually. I was, yeah. I, I think I, I talked myself yeah. into him a little bit, too. Uh, but, yeah, he, he hasn't been able to get his career going, sadly. So, uh, last question here, their pick. Yeah, I, I think they should probably pick. I, I don't know who they're going to be able to get with that pick that is better than just making the pick. You're chugging trade wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would you trade that pick for like, maybe not these guys specifically, but you know, let's say it's the number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. And would you trade that pick for like a Josh Richardson or a Marcus Smart? On, on this team, you might, you might think about it given where they are on their, on their timeline. Um, I just like, but those are, you're dealing with other teams that are kind of in win now mode too. That's a, 
That's yeah. a hard trade for those other teams to make. Right. I mean, th- there aren't that many guys who you can, uh, who are actually like good winning players on bad teams. That's why those teams are bad. <laughs> yes. So it's a, it's a key, key limitation. Yeah. And contractually, a lot of, there's not a lot of guys like that who are available and fit into that exception either. So that's where it gets difficult. Yeah. Aaron now, Gordon just like barely fitting. Now there's the option of the like the stair step trade potentially as long as yes. we have enough time in between that. Uh, okay, we're out of time on them. Who's next? Uh, you want to talk about Cleveland? Yes. Yes. Well, well we're going to talk about them about anyway. Them. <laughs> well, uh, let me just ask this. Who is a more exciting team to talk about? Cleveland or Detroit? Ooh, I I actually think Cleveland is okay to talk about because there's there are actually things there. I just don't know if they're they're I just don't know if they really work. But there's some stuff. What, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the guards Sexton and Garland? Yeah, we did a lot of film work up on them in the last couple of weeks, and and Sexton he really developed pretty well this year, and like his three point shooting has been a revelation. Like two-thirds of the way through last year, he decided he was going to start taking threes and started making them. But he's basically, for a guy who scores that much at his height, is just about the worst passer in NBA history. Pretty much. And so it's really hard to say that we're going to build, especially in today's day and age, these more heliocentric Mm -hmm. day and age, where it's not just scoring, especially at the point guard position, or as your primary creator off the dribble, you also just need more playmaking to really be a good offense. And yeah, I, I just don't, it's just, I mean, it would be unprecedented for him to improve in that area. And so that's a, that's a major concern and why you think maybe he's better as a, a sixth man type. And that's not beginning to talk about his defense, which is a struggle as well. A, a struggle. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. It was a, it was, it was, it was a struggle. Yes. <laughs> That's, um, that is one it, way to put how it. How about this? Colin Sexton or Darius Garland defensively? Who would you take? Oh boy. This is, this is Cleveland versus Detroit in <laughs> microcosm now. <laughs> Sexton or Garland defensively? Uh, like going forward or for this past season? Like, going forward. Going, going forward, forward, I mean, I would probably take Sexton just get, like Garland just looked physically overmatched to me. Right. Whereas Sexton, a lot of it was things that are at least theoretically fixable in terms of awareness and effort level. And I mean, he's still undersized and has like he has some things too that are that are tough to get past. Uh but you you could see him getting to a point where he was maybe just a little below average. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's really just, and again, both those guys, the numbers on them were really bad. Cleveland, uh, if it weren't for the Wizards, would have been vying for the worst defensive team in NBA history once more mm-hmm. this year. Do you think there's any point in re-signing Tristan Thompson? You know, they didn't buy him out. There's talk that he wants to re-sign there with bird rights, with the theory being he can get more than he could in just in terms of the mid-level exception for another team. Does that make any sense to you? Not really. I mean, you... You want to save your mid-level. You don't have a ton of room under the tax line, and you want to save that mid-level for somebody on the perimeter. I mean, they need they need another player at the two and three, um, or at the one for that matter, uh, depending on who they draft. And then you already have three guys who can play five. Uh, you know, you have you traded for Drummond. You had Larry Nance, who was really good last year, uh, and you have Kevin Love still there. So. 
I, I just don't see where Thompson fits where he would play enough that it would that it would matter. And then you're gonna like pay him real money on top of that. I I, I don't really see that one. Yeah, I, I guess the thought would be that you could Marcus Morris him. Now, I don't know if it would be on a one year deal. In theory, you would want more than that. But Thompson did have an okay year last year and he has been, he made a comeback after really two pretty rough years. Mm-hmm. So I think he could contribute to a good team, maybe not as a starter though. And so then you're like, you know, is if you pay him more than the mid level, is another team going to want him on that deal? There's always seems like there are big men available. So no, it doesn't make a ton of sense yeah. to me either. There's there's no trade market for fives at the deadline. It is is what we've seen the, the last yeah. couple of years. And, and then Drummond, who uh, basically announced that he would in fact be opting in already. I don't really see what's happening there either. I mean, especially with him in the fold, bringing back Thompson doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And there's Larry Nance was playing the three for them a little bit just so they could get some size to guard someone on the perimeter. That doesn't really make a lot of sense either. So I I guess the good news for them is nobody has distinguished themselves enough to where you can't just draft whoever you want this year. It's going to be interesting uh, with so many guards at the top of the draft because I mean, their mentality should be that Sexton and Garland haven't done enough to, you know, to stop us from drafting another guard. But that's tough when you have that, when you're staring at that, at that sunk cost of the last two years and you're, and you're really hoping it pays out, you know? Well, and so, Sexton, like, he's pretty close to average efficiency. He averaged 20 points a game. I mean, it, it's very easy to talk yourself into that, even if 20 points a game doesn't mean what it used to. But yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm in agreement. Yeah. You should, there's nobody on this team that I'm feeling like, you shouldn't draft over the top over. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Especially, I mean, they're going to have a really high pick too. Um, we should talk about Kevin Porter. Yeah, I get, yeah, he's. Uh, I know you've been impressed by him. But when I did my film work up on him, I was really I didn't realize he's quite as athletic as he looked, um, and is really great finisher around the rim. Another guy where you don't know exactly what he's going to be, and so you have to be like, oh my god, we found this guy with the thirtieth pick. This is awesome, but. You're also kind of like, all right, you know, what is he really going to be in the long term for us? But a good story for the here and now, and maybe maybe their best prospect of this whole team. But I mean, if you just pretend that Porter was pick fifth and Garland was pick thirtieth, it, it you feel a lot better if you're a Cleveland fan, don't you? Isn't it is is it totally hopeless for Garland? I I don't want to write him off because sometimes skill guys need a little longer. He had the knee injury the year before. He did play a little bit better as the year went on. So I, I don't want to totally write him off, but it, it did not look good. So, yeah, one of the theories that I developed as I went through this run of young players is that if you're not that athletic, that sometimes it can take you longer because you just it takes a long time to get an idea of, OK, what can I actually get away with, particularly as a finisher? And I thought he started to make some strides in that area. But I mean, you know, obviously, generally his. Uh, things didn't look good in terms of the numbers. That's not a great start. More likely than not, it's not going to work out. But I'm not, I'm not writing him off completely yet. I guess I would, would be my position. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, would you agree that we should move on to Detroit now? Let's do it. Eight minutes on the clock here. Yeah. Another, uh, relatively bare cupboard these days. Do you max um, out Langston Galloway? Yes or no? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Galloway actually, I think he had, isn't he had get a enough attention year. in free yeah. agency. He had a really yeah. good year. Yeah. But I think he probably wants to come back though. 
you know, I, I think he liked working with the under Dwayne Casey. So aside from that vexing question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, Troy Weaver yeah. walks into an empty plate here, you know, he, or an empty canvas, I should say. He can, he, he has a lot of freedom to do what he wants to do here because there's no, there's nothing really nailed down yet. He gets to make the decision on Christian Wood, right? He gets to make the decision on Kennard's extension. Uh, Blake Griffin, I think, has to be seen as probably a sunk cost at this point. Um, if he recuperates to the point that they could trade him, obviously that would be fantastic. And then otherwise, like their books are clean. They got one year of Derrick Rose. If they could get a first round pick for him, I think they'd be happy to, happy to accept that. And, uh, it's kind of a blank slate otherwise. So in your piece with James Edwards, you've been doing a, a nice piece the, uh, at theathletic.com or a nice series, I should say, uh, going through all the teams with the local writers and having a dialogue with them. But you and he were banding about, you know, in like the $16 million a year range for Christian Wood, mm-hmm. that would require dipping into their cap space. They can only pay him about 10 million or so per year with his early bird rights that they yes. have. And so anything above there, they have to use cap space. Um, why is he worth that much to you? Uh, I thought he was, I mean, statistically, he was one of the best centers in the league last season. Uh, I do think his, his numbers from G League and seeing him in G League, like he was definitely for a couple of years, a top five player in the G League. So it doesn't totally floor me that he came in and was successful. Maybe not that successful, but, um, th- that he came in and had success. So I, I think he projects as, kind of a low level starter uh even on a decent team. Uh there's some defensive questions there but offensively I like I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I think you and I don't disagree I think on what he is but maybe just like what the market will be for such a player. Uh, like who else is paying him that much is my question. Uh so the center market uh you're probably looking at Charlotte um Maybe only one or two other teams, if that. So it's it, that's going to be a problem is finding somebody else to pay him that much if if you're if you're his agent. Yeah, so that's why that's part of why I'm skeptical. And then you throw in just th- there's always a stickiness with guys who are undrafted, unless it's the summer of 2016 and Hassan Whiteside mm-hmm. of just that it's got to be a little bit fluky that they're not building off as big of a number. They also, just because they haven't made anything in their careers, they're kind of more open to taking less and getting some security and life-changing money. Whereas if a guy was drafted in the top five and he's made $20 million already in his career, he can kind of afford to be a little more judicious. Yeah. I mean, my best guess is that they offer him that early bird contract and he takes it, particularly if they give him some years. But, I yeah uh, I I do then to, to be clear we were going back and forth on what his on where I had pegged his or projected his value for next season right and so yeah. yeah whether he actually gets paid that is a completely different question and market forces kind of shoehorn a lot of people into the mid level range just because of uh just because that's where that exception is and that's what a lot of teams are going to have this year so. I I could definitely see that happening with him, where he get, where he gets that early bird money on a long deal, just just for the reasons you stated, and that would be helpful for Detroit if they. Well, it should be helpful for them. I mean, it would give them a lot more cap room. But what are they going to spend their cap room on this year? Yeah, it could be taking on a, a bad contract or two. Because yeah, they basically to to explain that to those who might be new listeners that haven't been with us for a while. Wood is finishing up a two-year contract, 
So, but that's at the minimum. So when you come off a minimum contract, your cap hold is the minimum. Since he's got two years of having been on the team, they have what's called early bird rights rather than full bird rights. Full bird rights, you can pay the guy whatever you want. Early bird rights, you can only go up to a contract that starts at... uh The league average salary, which yeah, is... Yeah, the estimated average player salary. So, um, so that's why he only counts for the minimum on their books and they can pay him up to around that 10 million or so starting salary. But if you go above that 10 million, now you've exceeded what you can do with just that cap hold placeholder. And so he would count for whatever they actually signed him for. That's a, just a, a quick CBA explainer uh, with a sports business classroom coming up. I got to <laughs> get into to teaching mode. Um, last thing on them, Siku Duboya, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, you know, I had I had scouted him in France. Um he was he was very good or impressed a lot of people like at basketball without borders and some some age group competition when he was a younger player, you know, 16 years old, that that type of range. And when when I saw him in France, I was a little disappointed because I felt like he wasn't uh super skilled. Um and I think he's shown that like his skill level definitely needs to get a lot better. Um and while he had a had a pretty good NBA body and could go in and end to end and stuff. He didn't wow you with athleticism, and so it was just hard to see where he was going to really climb that ladder. Now that said, I mean his numbers this year were bad. He was also the youngest player in the league. Like we shouldn't have expected him to be good this year. Yes. So and looking at the rest of this draft, I'm not sure he was a bad gamble at the point they took him, which was 14th. So, but it's it's hard for me to get super excited about his future at the same time. Yeah, I've I don't see the think that he has like star potential or anything like that. But it, in theory, I think the physical tools are there to be a a good combo forward. But yeah, as an as an isolation defender, as a shooter, you know, like a lot of young players, he's has been someone who's been on the ball his whole career, and that learning to shift to playing off the ball it can be kind of difficult. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is 
is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. Okay, next team. All right. Uh, let's go up north to Minnesota. Yeah, they're really a, a fascinating outfit. As it stands right now, I mean, they don't have much space. They're going to draft someone this year, but that probably won't change their fortunes much. They got to bring back Hernan Gomez and Beasley in three. Let's pretend that they're on the team. Okay. As of right, we can talk about their future free agency in a second, but what do you see this team doing next year if they stay healthy with this cast of characters? Maybe like 32 and 50. I might be a little more optimistic on it. Um, especially if towns can stay healthy all year. I think they actually could be like a really, really good offense, but they're not going to stop anybody. I mean, that's why, you know, their defense is going to be in the twenties. And so when yeah. that's the case, it's hard to get much over 500. So, you know, I mean, they could get lucky. I could see them getting the high thirties, maybe low forties at best, but yeah, 32 and 50 doesn't strike me as like impossibly low either. You know, I see them in kind of that mid to upper thirties range personally. Um, they don't so, really have many ways. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So much depends on Towns. I mean, he's he's so by far their best player and is really like one of the most underrated players in the league for me. I think he's really good, even with the defensive questions. Like, I, I offensively, he's such a beast. He rebounds, he shoots, he can score down low. Uh, just so many weapons. Um, and, yeah, a commentator uh, on Twitter was like, yeah, how come you didn't mention him as like the unfairly maligned, good stats, bad team guy? And I yeah. think that that was a good point. We probably should have mentioned him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Russell hopefully will try more on defense than he did in Golden State. Um, if he gives them something closer to the Brooklyn version, I think that helps them more than having Andrew Wiggins, certainly. Uh, so, th- so they got that. They have their pick and roll combo. I just don't think they have any other, like, starters on the team. Yeah. Beasley showed some things, but he's, he's yet another offense first player. I, I think Beasley and Hernan Gomez, there's some chance that they could evolve into being decent players. But yeah, and then, you know, a Kogi, Culver, with neither of them being able to shoot, it's kind of hard for them to fit in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. A Kogi, at least, uh, you know, he could be like your defensive stopper. Um, he's really good in transition. Uh, but yeah, him, him shooting in the 20s is a problem. So, and, and they're, I, I mean, I've got them as, you know, only about maybe $13 million in space below the tax, most likely. Depending on what they play, Beasley and Wancho. Yeah. They, like, I want to say they have 27 before they pay those guys. And then that, yeah, actually, um, yeah, sorry. I, I'm, uh, I have to update my luxury tax number for next year compared to, uh, the cap number. But yeah, it's, uh, so, and, and so they made this trade and, you know, they got these buddies together, Russell and Towns, but, a realistic self-assessment of where they are next year is kind of where exactly. So I'm, I'm to me, and and I think they've done a better job of kind of working around the margins a little bit. I thought they actually did a really good job of that uh, in the last year. Um, when, you know, the, the trade to bring in Beasley and Wancho, the, the Covington trade, uh, I thought Lehman was pretty decent value. I thought Nas Reed was a pretty decent find for, you know, a, a undrafted free agent. But like none of that's going to matter until they stack that into higher level uh, uh, players. Yeah, they do have two picks in this draft. Thir- uh, well, we'll uh, see. Well, yeah, <laughs> they get screwed out of that Brooklyn trip. That's uh, true. Brooklyn, yeah, pick. Brooklyn. Uh, they are trying hard. Um, 
to, but they they most likely will will keep that uh that Brooklyn Lotto protected first that they got um at the trade deadline. So uh, for Robert Covington, yeah, and then they've got their their pick as well. Uh, that'll be interesting of uh who, interesting. They, who they like in the draft. Interesting if again another team where it's interesting if one of these pick and roll guards is there and they have to make a decision on on that when they already have Russell there. Oh man, I'm just champing at the bit to talk about the draft, but people people aren't interested in the draft right now. We got to we got to save it. Uh, <laughs> hold so hold we, your fire. We have a Nate. lot of disagreements. Actually, it's going to be fun okay. to talk about that. Okay. So, um, Wancho and Beasley, they're restricted free agents. What are you doing with them? I uh, you have to keep them at this point. I think. I mean, you have this. The you don't trade away a first round pick to get these guys and then be like, yeah, you know what? We thought. Yeah. We thought seven point three million was a bit much, you know. We're gonna we're not gonna match that. Like I j- I just don't see that happening. Um, they should be able to get pretty reasonable money on both guys. Uh, what's what's reasonable to you? Well, let's say they had to pay Beasley like twelve and Wancho like six. I mean, yeah, I'd be very happy with those numbers. It's now you know Beasley turned down like three for thirty in an extension. Rich yeah. Paul knows that they traded a first round pick to get him. He. Shot it really well in seven games for the team after having a rough year with Denver. You know, I think like 12, 13 would be fair for him, but I don't know if his representation sees it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then who's, who's the other team that's going to go above that to pay him? Yeah. Great question. I don't know the answer. Could be, I mean, could be, could be Atlanta. Atlanta has a lot of room. Malik Beasley's from there. They could use, you know, they could use another two who can shoot it. Could be. Wancho, I think they'll be able to keep. I don't. I don't think they're gonna yeah. have to fight that hard on that one. Well, I mean, they have it within their power to keep them or not. I mean, we've also seen Rich Paul with Eric Bledsoe with Tristan Thompson really drag out the restricted free agent game, threaten to take the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Although you won't be, you can't go quite as long this year. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Away, you know, <laughs> four months after July, um, <laughs> three months after July, it, it's going to resolve itself pretty quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, three for 40 for Beasley. You know, maybe, maybe someone like Kelly Oubre could be a little bit of a model there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shorter that's, deal, but maybe a little more money. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's where I start getting into walk away territory, even if I'm, yeah. you know, Two it's hard. I mean, you're million. the T Wolves. Again, a team like the T Wolves, you want to keep the asset, um, if you can, but man, you, it also hurts when you overpay guys on a long deal, yeah, as well, they know. Yeah, but if it's only two years, you know, to pay a little bit more than you're protecting yourself and they're not doing anything in free agency the next two years anyway, just with what they already have in the books. So, now, if if the know. owner met with him and asked him to play hard, would you give him the max? Should, should we move on to the next? Okay, all right, let's go. Last team here, New York Knickerbockers, eight minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I to unpack here. Should, should, let's do like a start with like a self-assessment of them and some of the their young players and, and what you think of those. Let's start with RJ Barrett here. Man, he was not good. Um, the the team was not set up uh, to succeed around him. You're right because there wasn't enough spacing for him to really play his game. But the the finishing looked stiff. Uh, he's not a good shooter uh, defensively. He was okay at best. So probably a, a disappointing season overall. Yeah, I think so. And I, like you said, I think they did with Mitchell Robinson, with him, with the lesser extent to Kevin Knox or, or Dennis Smith, just having this black hole level of spacing all season. I, I said this on the pod. Would you agree 
that they had maybe the worst spacing of any team in the last five years? Wow. Um, I, you know, I, I might've been a part of one of those teams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but at least, at least your like soul and Randolph could at least, yeah. Our our, our bigs could shoot. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was still in the last five years, though, that Tony Allen, Zach Randolph playing together. But yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty bad. And, you know, they I think that was one of the reasons they paid Wayne Ellington as much as they did. And then they just couldn't get anything out of him. And he kind of fell out of the mix. And Knox is another guy who was supposed to give him something in that respect. And he he's just been unplayable. So and uh, Reggie Bullock, too, that that probably uh affected them but yeah especially after the morris trade i mean they just didn't have anything so yeah i I think is barrett i mean they've talked about building around rj barrett which is admirable in the sense that you got to give him a better environment but is he worth that type of status of we're building around this guy i i don't think so i i maybe he shows himself to be worthy of it in in year two but i certainly don't think so if he does work out to become like a real high level of creator like what what is the path for that like that's what i've always struggled with of what does it look like when it's good for him because we know what it looks like when he's bad we kind of saw that last year what does it look like when it's good like how do you talk yourself into it uh a little bit derosiny uh with maybe more at the rim and and fewer pull-ups and a little more passing um that would probably be how i talk myself into it yeah, we didn't get to see him as a distributor that much this year, in part due to that terrible spacing and having two guys around the basket most of the time. Um, yeah, I, like the passing ability, maybe you could say would be the most likely to take a step forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, he doesn't have the athleticism of DeRozan. Is yeah, what, that, that's, yeah. that, that's the issue. That, that I think was the most troubling part is when he got to the rim and had to finish over length. It was really a challenge for him to do that, and that's a hard thing to fix. Yeah, so I'm, uh, and it's hard to see him becoming like a plus jump shooter. And so, if you're not that quick and you're not that good of a shooter, then what are you at the shooting guard position? You're Jared Culver. <laughs> that's what you are. <laughs> Pretty amazing that we went a whole segment on the the Wolves and didn't even mention. Culver. Yeah. That's, yeah. We kind of, we kind of slid right past that one. Yeah. So I, you, you know, I think it would be fascinating to see whether they would draft Anthony Edwards if they're in position to do so, or they'll say, no, we have RJ Barrett. Wow. I, when you, <laughs> when you double down on the bad pick from the year before to make your, make your current year pick worse. Well, well, isn't it, isn't it doubling down by not drafting someone in his position? That, yeah, that's but what I mean. You're putting more eggs in the in the basket of the bad pick you already made. At least this yeah. would be acknowledging possibly that it was a mistake. I uh, okay. I guess I got confused by what you're saying. I thought you were saying they wouldn't draft uh, they wouldn't draft Edwards because they already drafted Barrett. Oh no, I, I yeah, my bad. I wasn't taking a position on that. I was saying you know would they not draft him because of Barrett? But yeah, that's uh, I I I don't think so. I mean, because you could argue Barrett's your three and and Edwards is your two also. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that don't really have like a three sized three prototypically. It, um, I'm not even going to mention the name of Dennis Smith Jr. because I might get some PTSD from that. But uh, <laughs> Frank Nilakina, Mitchell Robinson, th- thoughts on those guys? 
Frank Nelkina to me is like on the path to being a decent backup. He he defends, he can make a jump shot, he can't get by anybody, he's not going to be any kind of high level creator offensively, but he could be like solid enough. He'll stay in the league. Uh Mitchell Robinson is really interesting. Uh that that six foul rule is still a little bit of a problem for him. <laughs> and uh some of the some of the lapses are bad. But his good plays are so good. I mean, he'd make so many plays that you can't teach. Uh, his instincts as a shot blocker, his ability to finish difficult lobs. Um, like not just he can go up and get it, but he can go up and align his body in space and, and catch the ball with one hand and turn and dunk it and not lose track of where he is, which I think is an underrated skill. Um, is really impressive. Yeah, uh, he was so, another reason why I was so disappointed in some of those signings they made and having no spacing because that really takes away his impact. I mean, he could be a DeAndre Jordan, Rudy Gobert style of impact offensively, but if you've got another power forward standing right next to him, then he can't have that impact. Yeah, I think DeAndre Jordan is a great comp for him. And yeah, exactly. I mean, but playing with these guys like, you know, Julius Randle and Taj Gibson, like it just didn't, it didn't fit. None of the, what they did last summer was so uh so bizarre that, that not only that they didn't use the cap space to harvest draft picks like some of the other rebuilding teams did but then to to sign the players they did that actively got in the way of their best young players it's crazy what would you do with their non-guarantee guys they got Bullock at 4 million Alfred Payton at 8 Wayne Ellington at 8 Taj Gibson at nine. That makes up basically all of the forty million in cap space you could potentially have. If you don't yeah. bring any of those guys back. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. Bring sure. back any of those guys? Yeah, uh, I would bring back Alfred Payton. I think he's a plus value at eight million. I thought that was their best move last summer. Uh, he he was legitimately pretty good when he uh, came back, and I thought the Knicks played a lot better once they got him in the lineup and had a real point guard. He has limitations, obviously, with the, he's another below average shooter. I think he's probably a backup on a good team, but on this team, like he was really helpful. Um, yeah, considering the other options. Yeah. As well. And then Bullock, you got to keep, right? Bullock's money is low enough that you might as well keep him. I mean, it's 4.2. He's a good role playing wing. Uh, you know, good reserve, if nothing else. I think you got to keep him at that money. And he might might have some trade value for you if you hang on to him, too. Yeah, Gibson, I think I'd probably let go. Just a, more due to the fit, even. But also, you know, $9 million bucks for him is a little much. Well, if you, and if you hire Thibs, you got to let Gibson go. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to play him 47 and a half minutes a game and Mitchell oh, Robinson the other 30 seconds. I mean, I guess if they do hire him, there's no way they're letting him go. Is there also complicating things is all these guys have guarantee dates very early, 628, which is now, you know, it'd be two days before 1017 is, is the new date. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a concern too, because you can't kind of make the decision of like, okay, can we do better with our money or not here? Well, you know, with say Wayne Ellington. Yeah. I, mean, I think they probably let him go anyway, but. Yeah, it would be Ellington and Gibson would probably be the two big ones. I mean, a presume one presumes they will decline Bobby Portis's option. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. Oh God. Um. Okay. Let's uh let's wrap things up here. What'd you write about for the Athletic this week before we go? So, uh, for the Athletic, I actually wrote a little bit about a couple of these teams. Um, I uh I I wrote about uh, uh a Golden State and a particular trade that I think uh, might be interesting for them. 
uh, to make as, as they try to use that exception. I wrote about Minnesota's challenges in building around Towns and Russell. I wrote about Colin Sexton's future. And uh, I wrote about the Bulls' coaching search or lack thereof. Well, good. If you didn't get uh, your fill of Jarrett Culver, <laughs> you can you can get some of that from, from John uh, at The Athletic this week. And uh, we will be back now. We're back on once a week. We'll probably maybe we'll, like preview some of the uh, the bubble stuff next week. And then we'll have real, actual basketball games to talk about. Exciting times. There. But, it's, I mean, I was looking at the schedule. It's like... It's crazy, like how many on paper amazing games you can get when you eliminate the eight worst teams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Holy it's going to be like, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, now some teams may not be trying that hard. They might be ramping up, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of games that Milwaukee is in and the Lakers and those teams don't really have much incentive to really be pushing it. So we may see these games not being quite as good in reality as they are on paper but there'll be plenty of stuff to talk about i can't wait for it absolutely all right we will talk to you all next week till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.